Welcome to the Bedford First Assembly of God podcast. We hope you enjoy this week's message. We'd love to hear what God is doing through this ministry. If you have a story to share, send us an email at connect at bedfordfirstag.org. Also, feel free to visit our website at bedfordfirstag.org. You can view the live stream of our services and find out more about our church. Thanks for listening. Well, folks, we'll wrap things up today. It's been an incredible part of our lives to be here, to be a part of your family, to cry with you, to rejoice with you, pray over you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I do want to just kind of call out a few individuals this morning, and forgive me if I've not, if I don't cross every bridge. I'd like for all who have served on the board over the last 12 years, I'd like for you, if you would, to stand, please. If you served on the board over these last 12 years. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. It was a privilege, an honor to serve with you. Um, we accomplished several things difficult things along the way. Thank you. I appreciate you. There are three gals here that I want to thank. I know none of the three really relish this too much, but uh, they're going to get it today anyway. Uh, Melissa, back here in the back, is our bookkeeper. Melissa, would you kind of stand and wave at us a little bit there? And Delene is our secretary here. And Linda, where are you at? Back there in the shadows. Linda is our custodian. These three we have eaten together. <laughs> it's almost a joke how many times we've eaten together. Um, prayed together every week over the needs of this congregation and I believe um, have a friendship that will last into eternity. Uh, Truly, 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 folks, it has been an honor to serve the Lord Jesus as your pastor. See, that's the way it works. I was called by him when I was a boy. And the service for him will continue until I breathe my last breath. He's taken us on an incredible journey of 45 years of ministry. All but three of those have been a senior pastor, pioneering four churches as a pastor in the district office, starting 23 churches across the state of Indiana kind of grand this morning to see some of the posts from people who got saved and people who were affected by our ministry many, many, many years ago. To God be the glory. I tried to express this to you and it's very, very difficult. 
because in our humanity we we reckon everything to what we can do in our flesh. But the reality is that this work, too much of it, cannot be done in the flesh. It has to be done in the spirit. And so I find, you know, on a day like this, that I'm so incredibly beholding to the Lord for every sermon, every building project, every decision, everything. If it was right, it was because of God. That's it. To him be the glory and the praise. Many have asked what's our situation going on from here. Well, as soon as I'm finished preaching this morning, I'm going off this direction. Through the office, get into my car, and I'm going to drive to where there's an ocean. (laughs) I find I make some of my best decisions where there's water. (laughs) No, I just need a little bit of time to clear my mind of these years here and to concentrate. Um, Probably a week from Tuesday or Wednesday, I, I will be talking with the Home Missions Board in Springfield about the position that they are desiring for me. Whether or not we take it, we'll see. We want what God wants. Very important at 70 years old to be right on course. Can't afford a mistake. So we're going to be very careful. And I, I would covet your prayers. That means earnestly seek them. And I mean that. Pray with me this week. Pray with Sharon and I that God would give us very clear direction. If this home mission situation is what he wants, then that's what we want. All the, all the pieces, some which kind of freak me out right now, but all the pieces he can take care of if it's his. And that's the confidence we have. I will mention that back at the information booth, uh, there's... As I promised, there's contact information. If, uh, as we move forward to being a home missionary, we will be supported just like the foreign missionaries. And if you would like to be a part of that, we would welcome your participation. Uh, My name's there, telephone number, email address. All you have to do is just let me know that you're interested and we will get you more information. There's no obligations or anything. It's just, I want to keep you in the loop if you want inside. So that's back at the information booth. Pick those up and you just don't know how much you're loved. Okay. I don't have a text this morning, but we're going to be all full of the Bible. (laughs) Um, Actually, it's Luke chapter 19 through chapter 24, if you want to kind of be there in in the area. When we began this journey together 12 years, 12 and a half years ago, one of the first messages that I preached was about unrealistic expectations 
And I've known for months that this is where the Lord wanted me to settle on this last Sunday. So we've been preparing a long time for it. Psychologists tell us that the number one problem in marriage that destroys more marriage than anything else is unrealistic expectations. I would like to give you wives a peek into what to expect from your husbands. This is realistic expectations. I think it's very important. I shared this with you back in 2013, but I'm sure you don't remember all of it, so I'll give it to you again. These are the things that he thinks but is afraid to say. Are you ready? Number one, men are not mind readers. Number one, learn the toilet seat. If it's up, put it down. We need it up, you need it down. You don't hear us complaining about you needing it down. I'm going to get some of you mad at me. I can tell it's just, wee. Number one, Sunday sports. It's like the full moon or the changing of the tides. Let it be. Number one, shopping is not a sport. And no, we're not going to think of it that way. Number one, crying is blackmail. Oh, I love this one. Number one, yes and no are perfectly good answers to most every question. Can I get an amen, men? Come on, men. Get with me now. Number one, come to us with a problem only if you want us to help solve it. That's what we do. Sympathy is what your girlfriends do. Number one, oh, this one, yeah. A headache that lasts seven months is a problem. See your doctor. Oh, I don't know, this one's good too. Uh, number one, anything we said six months ago is inadmissible in an argument. In fact, all comments become null and void after seven days. Ooh. Number one, if you think you're fat, you probably are, just don't ask. <laughs> number one, if at all possible, say whatever you have to say during commercials. Number one, by the way, if it itches, it will be scratched. We do that. Number one, if we ask what is wrong and you say nothing, we will act like nothing's wrong. We know you're lying, but it's just not worth the hassle. And besides, we know that you'll bring it up again later. And number one, if you ask a question and you don't want an answer, expect an answer you don't want to hear. Now, thank you for listening. Yes, I know we will have to sleep on the couch tonight. But did you know that men really don't mind that? It's like camping. <laughs> Unrealistic expectations get us into all kinds of trouble. They're not only the greatest source of discouragement and stress in our lives, but also they can keep us, hear this, they can keep us from experiencing what God has for us. I debated how much I'm going to go down this path, but I'm, I'm heading down there now, so here we go. There are a lot of unrealistic expectations over a pastor's work. One of the things that I th 
thought about bringing you, but actually it was too massive. And that was, <clears throat> I've been looking on uh, the sites that give ministry opportunities and what have you, and I got very tickled of, of one church. Actually, it's, it's up just north of Bloomington, sets out in the middle of nowhere, less than 100 people. But they had no less than 40 paragraphs of expectations that they have for their future pastor. What must have happened, they must have asked everybody in the congregation, what do you want in a pastor? And every one of them gave a paragraph and that's what they put in this, on this sheet because it was, it was incredible. It's always been a standing joke that churches want a young pastor with a lot of experience. That's kind of a standing thing that every pastor realizes. <clears throat> I was 25 when I started. And if thinking you know everything counts, I had it made. Boy, have the years taught me how little I knew at that time. Be very careful your next pastor. Don't expect more of him than he's capable of giving. Accept the fact that he is called of God or she, whatever, is called of God. Give them an opportunity to serve God among you without expecting more of them than they're capable of giving. We all have different giftings. It is a given that they will be different than us. His wife or spouse will be different than Sharon. You've got to give them the space to be who they are and let God direct their lives because unrealistic expectations will bring nothing but stress and struggle to this church family. What are unrealistic expectations? I put it down in this way. It is anticipating and building upon a reality that exists only in our will, emotions, and desires. Anticipating that I'll get my way, <laughs> that it will be how I see it, it's a, it is a point in your marriage, in all of life. We're, we're seeing today the explosion of people who have unrealistic expectations. They think that everything can be the way they want it. I hope that you figure out somewhere along the line in life that it's not going to happen the way, exactly the way you want it. And do you have to make everybody grieve over that fact? No. You can move through life. Sometimes your expectations, your rightful expectations will be met. Other times they will not. One of the things that 50 years of marriage has taught me, I can't be right all the time. No. It's still contested. <laughs> we still try to work through it. <clears throat> but
But there is a reality that is settled down inside of me. I cannot have the expectation that it will always be my way, particularly with Sharon's life. I want to journey this for a few moments, and we're really going to move through today quickly. But I want you to journey with me through Holy Week in the book of Luke. And let, it, let us look at the effect of unrealistic expectation in the lives of the people and examine then our own spiritual expectations. Because you see, sometimes we expect God to be everything that we want him to be. And you see, he's God. I said, he's God. And he will be who he is. And you and I are going to have to adapt to that. Having an unrealistic expectation of God, and that is that we can snap to say, we can snap our fingers and he is going to jump. It's not going to happen. So let's go through. We're going to start at the triumphant entry in Luke chapter 19, beginning at verse number 37. It says, when he, Jesus, came near the place where the road goes down to the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Note, if you will, just a couple of things briefly right there. First of all, the fact they were praising him for what they had seen. Not for who he is. Because the who was confused in their mind. They had an expectation, a wrongful expectation, that he was going to establish his kingdom on earth at that time. They thought they were ushering in the new king of Israel. Jesus' purpose, stated in verse number 42, if you, even you, had known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. You see, unrealistic expectations caused them to miss the real defining moment in their life. They had, in their presence, right before them, eyes on the Son of God. That all they could think about was what he had done in the moment for them. If your life in Christ is only a sum of the answers to the prayers that you pray, you're going to be missing and you're going to be hurting and you're going to be angry and upset with God because he hasn't performed. Set your sights on who he is. King of kings and Lord of lords. Son of God, the righteous one. The way, the truth, the life. In verse number 44... 
He says, because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. Church, how often has the Lord come to visit us and we missed his presence because we were expecting something else. We come in with expectations into the family of God. And the purpose of our coming together is to minister one to another. And we come in only with self, only with our own purpose in mind. And we miss the visitation of the Lord. His presence is in this place this morning. His desire is here this morning to meet with you and to reveal himself to you. Even as it was to those people. He wanted desperately. He came to them. He wanted them to know who he was. He wanted to love them. He stood, on, he stood up over Jerusalem and said, oh, I would gather you in. He said, I'd put my arms around you and I would pull you in. Again, if you only knew the day of your visitation, don't miss. Through unrealistic expectations. Oh, yes, praise God, he heals our bodies. But not always when we want him to. Not always in the way that we would have him do it. If your expectation is set on how God performs rather than who he is, you'll find yourself in discouragement in your faith. Secondly, this morning, there's the parable of the fig tree in Luke 21. Verse 29, he told them this parable, look at the fig tree and all the trees. When they sprout leaves, you can see for yourselves and know that summer is near. Even so, when you see these things happening, you know that the kingdom of God is near. The people's expectation was that everything was going to stay the same. Nothing was going to change. Like in the days of Noah, it says they were eating and drinking. Everything was staying the same. They were expecting it to stay the same until it rained. People today are overlooking the signs of the times that we're living in. We are the generation who gets to witness the fulfillment of Ezekiel's prophecy Thousands of years, church. Thousands of years passed when it was given. And you and I in our lifetime are witnessing it before our eyes. One of the most fertile, most beautiful, most richest, most powerful nations in the world sets on a 6 by 12 or 6 by 20 mile stretch in Judea. Why? Because God said it was going to be that way. That, my friends, is the budding of the fig tree. You see, unrealistic expectations keep us in the temporal and away from the eternal. We can get so wrapped up in, in the everyday, get so wrapped up in the, our pursuits of the things of this world that are going to be gone. Can I tell you, if you haven't figured this out, your life is just a breath. It seems like two days ago, I was standing up for the first time in Clifton Heights off of Zorn Avenue in Louisville, Kentucky. 
my first church, it seems like yesterday. If you live for just what is temporal, you will miss out on what God wants for your life. He wants to put his people on an eternal track. He wants to show you eternal blessings. He wants to show you the greatest life that you can live. Not in the ingathering of all the foolishness and the things of this world. But in the power of his spirit. To walk, to talk, to live in his wisdom and in his glory and his greatness. That's what God is desiring. Our expectations is, God, give me some more of the stuff that I'm going to walk away from or die away from. And we miss it. Set your sights on things above, not on earthly things. He says it like this in verse 36, be always on your watch and pray that you may be able to escape all that is about to happen and that you may be able to stand before the Son of Man. That is, to stand, to stand innocent with a blood covering, with a relationship. You do not want to come before the Lord Jesus and Him say, who are you? You say, well, He knows all things. I'm talking about that He is not in relationship with you. You're busy making relationships in this world, busy making money in this world. When you, you and I need, because of what is happening before our very eyes, we can see the budding of the fig tree. We need to realize the time is getting short. And even if Jesus doesn't come in a rapture, if you are scheduled for your day of death, let me tell you something this morning. Your life will zoom past you How many souls will you take with you to heaven? It's an eternal thing. How many lives will you touch in the kingdom of God through your gifts that God has given to you? See, these are the things that really need to matter to us. Say, well, I'm really busy. Well, then you're too busy. So, oh man, that's a bold thing to say, pastor. That's a real thing to say, church. We who know the Lord Jesus Christ, we have the warnings, we have the signs. He has given them to us so that we would know, look up, your redemption draws nigh. I would take you then to Jesus' warning to, the assignment, to Simon Peter in Luke chapter 22. Simon, Simon. Satan has asked to sift you as wheat, that is to test your faith. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you've turned back, strengthen your brothers. But he replied, Lord, I'm ready, listen to this, I'm ready to go with you to prison and to death. He didn't even know himself. His expectation was that he was strong enough he could stand against anything and it was a little girl walking up to him and asking him if he was one of Jesus' disciples. And he turned and denied Christ. A little girl. It wasn't a soldier. It wasn't somebody powerful. It wasn't somebody that had a threat on his life. It was a little servant girl. 
His expectation was that he was so very strong. The reality was in his flesh, he was so very weak. Lord, I'm ready to go with you to prison and death. Before this night is over, you will deny me three times, Jesus said. And he did it. Unrealistic expectations tell us we can handle in the natural what we can only, what can only be overcome by the Spirit. Too many believers today are trying to live lives without the Spirit of God. That's not an affront to me, but I can only imagine how it grieves the Lord Jesus. How it grieves the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit to think that He, the Spirit of God, would make himself available to a man, to a woman, to a child. To come into that life and direct that life on an eternal, eternal path. To help make every decision. To be a comforter in times of struggle. To be a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Oh, and can I tell you, to give you a language in, in you. That you don't even know with your mind, but prays and intercedes in the will of God, according to the will of God, with groanings that cannot be uttered. Tell me, church, tell me that God did not give this to the church. Tell me that it is not relevant today for us to live and to walk in the Spirit of God. If you have an unrealistic expectation that says you can do this on your own, you're wrong. And some folks are going to be eternally wrong. God has given us an opportunity to walk in complete communion with him by the power of his Holy Spirit. Why would we turn that aside? Why would we just accept parts of it? Once again, unrealistic expectations tell us we can handle in the natural what can only be overcome in the spirit. You see, Jesus could see Peter's weakness. Peter failed to hear even Jesus' warning. I'll take you to Luke chapter 23, verse 26. This is the crucifixion scene. As they led Jesus away, they seized Simon's from Cyrene who was on his way in from the country and put the cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. A large number of people followed him, including women who mourned and wailed for him. Jesus turned and said to them, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me. Weep for yourselves and for your children, for the time will come when you will say, Blessed are the barren women, the wombs that never bore, the breasts that never nursed. 
misplaced grief. Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me. Weep for yourselves. Unrealistic expectations cause us to mourn the wrong things. We will mourn the loss, the finances. I understand it's, it's a very real thing when the stock market crashes or falls and your 401k and all the things that you have, those things all diminish. If your hope is set in all of that, it can be devastating. Many a man, many a woman has taken their life because they were hopeless when their stocks fell apart. Unrealistic expectations cause us to mourn the wrong things. When's the last time we mourned over sin? Sin leads to death. Sin is taking from eternity countless lives of individuals that we love. When's the last time that we were so disturbed, so distraught over a lost soul that we could not sleep? Does it grieve you when sin is around? Does it grieve you when people are dying and going to hell without Christ? It's almost like, it's, it's, it's like this unrealistic expectation. We're all so wrapped up in the natural that we're forgetting the power of the spiritual. We're making compromises for the comfort in the natural. Saying, well, that's just the way that it is. Doesn't have to be. In Revelation chapter 18, the scripture tells a day when Babylon the Great, which is a city or a country, difference of opinion, that it is the bright star of the whole world will fall in a single day and the whole world will mourn this Mecca of commerce. And it's nothing. It's nothing. They miss knowing Jesus. And they will mourn the loss of things that really do not matter. Let me give you the last one this morning. That is in Luke chapter 24, verses 1 to 12. We call it the resurrection. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. When they went back and told the disciples, the disciples refused to believe them. They said in verse 11, they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. <laughs> you see, it had never happened that way before. They'd never seen anybody or known anybody that had been raised from the dead. Can I tell you this morning, unrealistic expectations keep us from seeing the glory of the Lord. Oft times, we wait 
until we have exhausted everything else before we start praying. Well, I prayed before and it didn't seem to work, so let me see what the doctors will give me and let him punish me with medicine. <laughs> hmm. The Lord wants to heal us. The Lord wants to bless us if we belong to him. Only believe. Only believe. All things are possible to him that believes. The greatest grief that I have spiritually is that I have not believed for more. I've allowed all the stuff, all the practical stuff, all the things that I've seen with my eyes and heard with my ears to influence the freedom of belief. If only I could have the same belief for healing that I have for my salvation. It is without conflict inside of me. It's a settled issue. And yet, and yet, the promises that the Lord has made of his desire to minister body, mind, and spirit. Unrealistic expectations keep us from seeing the glory of the Lord. I experienced somewhat of a, I'll call it a miracle this week. My dear friend from grade school lived up the street of me about five houses. He and I played some serious army games. Good friends all the way through high school and junior high, I got him to come to church with me and he gave his heart to the Lord and was part of our youth group. He and one of our other friends, they used to put on skits and uh, in just about every one of our youth services, they had another skit and they, they did all kinds of incredible crazy things and uh, expressed great love for the Lord. And then, went in the army, got married, had children, and to my knowledge has not really been serving the Lord for the rest of those years. He happens to be, uh, his wife is a cousin to Larry. And Larry let me know that he was in a hospital in Bloomington, but that he was in really, really bad shape and probably would not know anybody because he has an infection in his brain. And so Friday morning I went to visit, really expecting to just pray for a comatose individual who is waiting to die. But God was so gracious. I have to admit, you know, all through the night, on Thursday night, I was 
uneasy knowing that I was going to be going in and hadn't seen Pam, his wife, for many years and, and Mike for probably 40 or 50 years and not really knowing how I was going to be greeted and everything. Uh, my expectations were all askew, but God had already been out ahead and they took him off of one medication, Larry said, and different things had happened and I went in and he was completely lucid. And I said, hey Mike, I'm Bill McKee. And he said, Bill McKee, Bill McKee, Bill McKee. I remember we used to eat Spam together. <laughs> and we were, you know, we were able to reminisce over the past and knowing this message was down inside of me, I was just thinking, you know, Lord, we, <laughs> We get so messed up with our expectations. And again, I mean, I was, I was all kind of tied in knots in, in going there. And the Lord was already, he had already gone in advance. And I walked out of there and, and you know, his wife and I, you know, we hugged three or four times in the midst of it. And, you know, he, I said, Mike, can I pray for you? He said, oh, yes, please. And. I prayed, prayed for him and I prayed that, that the favor of the Lord would be upon him and that he would remember the days of serving the Lord and, you know, was very honest with, with him in my prayers and he, he was right there, right there. Uh, oh. Church, give God a chance. Give God a chance to do more than what you can imagine, what you can think. He wants to bless you. He wants to take care of us. He wants to minister to us. We're the only thing that's holding him back. He has already shown us. He'll go to the cross for us. He's already shown it. So he's ready. He's willing and he's able. So the only variable in there is us. Our lack of faith, our lack of attention, our messed up expectations give God a chance if you're in this house this morning and you've never accepted Jesus as your savior oh I don't mean I don't mean that you started coming to church or that you you know kind of eased your way into this thing I mean if you ever knelt down on your knees and said Lord Jesus I am a sinner and I cannot Save myself for eternity. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus, and send your Holy Spirit to be my companion for the rest of my life. And if you really mean it, your eternity changes in that moment. Can't play the game. This isn't a game. We have grand fellowship together, but this is not just a social club. This is the ingathering of the people of God. Learn, learn, learn more about the word. Fill your lives with it. With it. When the spirit of the Lord speaks to you, walk in what he speaks. Anything else, you're cheating yourself out of your best life. Would you stand with me, please?
If you need to get things right with Jesus, I invite you to come to these altars. The elders of this church and others will come and pray with you and believe with you and you can walk from this place changed, changed, changed. If you've been playing around with the Holy Spirit, talking about him, but never allowing him to be in you and fill you, why not give him that room, that space this morning? You're expecting to have everything that God has in you, but you're not giving God an opportunity to have everything in you. Turn loose and let God, and your life can be incredible in Jesus. Amen? All right. Uh, do we have a, oh, he's back there today. Bless you, brother. I want to pray for you. You could come and be at this altar. I'm sorry, <clears throat> but my heart will not allow me to just stay and hug. So I'm going off this way. But I'm going to be praying for you. I'm praying for, in two weeks, I guess you're candidating according to the uh, bulletin. I'm going to be praying because you want God's pastor to be in here. Amen? You are loved. You are thought of. You are in my heart forever. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May his face shine upon you. and give you peace in Jesus' name.